Hello, and welcome to Waiting for Game, a podcast presented to you by Melee Stats. I'm Edwin Budding, author of the Book of Melee and editor-in-chief of the Melee Stats website. As if you noticed, my usual partner and co-host, Gimme That Wheat, is on vacation, so he will not be joining us live, but we have a lot to cover from last weekend and a really exciting further weekend with Melee that's coming up. So first, I want to introduce you to the first of our two guests this week. Making his first ever appearance on the show, fresh off top 16 at Gommel, is a very special player. You know him, you love him. Ben, how's it going, man? What have you been doing? It's going good. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, you, you've been following our show for a while. You've been uh, following our work as a whole in Melee Stats. Um, Obviously, you just came back from Gommel. Um, what have you been doing this week, kind of in between majors? <sighs> Slept all day on Monday because I did not go to bed. I had a 6.30 flight a.m. Uh, yeah, did not sleep uh, anything. Um, Monday, got, got home, slept 10 hours, and uh, got up for work today and did homework. I have two days to cram a lot of stuff to get ready for another major double down. We're doing it though. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how that uh that that this is all just happening now, right? Like we were in such a stretch where we were waiting months between tournaments that like we cared about. And now it's like every Yeah, now it's crazy. Week. It's it's yeah. And I especially structured my travel plans to to really you know, cram everything into July. I'm going to a big tournament every single weekend very excited for it. It'll give me a very accurate idea of where I'm at and it'll be really exciting. So just the first of, uh, first of many. You know, Ben, I'm sure you appreciate the amount of tournaments that are going on. I appreciate it. The whole community, I think appreciates it to an extent, but I don't think there's a single person who loves following tournaments and loves jotting down results quite as much as the other guest on the show. Um, this is not technically his first overall appearance, but I would consider it his first official appearance on Waiting for Game. SF, our last night in Melee and Wednesday's Melee staff writer, is joining us tonight. SF, how are you doing? What's on your mind? How do you feel? Uh, I feel great. It's really hot and just muggy in LA, but I have to get through that, and I'm just very excited for the coming weeks. Just... Uh, I'm going to double down. So I'm really excited for that. And just uh, not excited for the weather there in Las Vegas. But I'm really excited for the melee that's going to happen. It's going to be really hot, it's isn't it? Hot. I'm not going to try to leave the venue or my hotel uh, yeah. as much as possible. It's going to be so hot. It's going to be brutal. <laughs> it's going to be so brutal. Yeah. What is the weather in Toronto like, Ben? It was great. Um, a little hot some of the days. But uh, no, I didn't have any issues with the weather, really which normally I do, so that it was that was definitely nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was nice. I mean, lest I be seen as the odd man. It'll be really funny to the contrast in, in environment, going from a gorgeous Toronto, like very classy and uh, well-structured, to uh, the heart of American degeneracy. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention that because, uh, again, so just so um, there's no confusion here, I too will also be going to Double Down this this upcoming weekend. So all three of us are sure to be there. If you, the listener, or whoever, 
whoever is watching this are going to double down. You can briefly say hi to us for about five seconds. Or uh, promise all three of us are friendly people. We we don't bite. Or at least I'm friendly for about five seconds. But yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm really excited to to go there too. Um, I want to. I do want to recap last weekend though. I th I think we got a lot to talk about. Just a, a lot of storylines of what's been going on, the results of the, the event. We know with the summer PGR season uh, about to, you know, close pretty soon. But there's a lot to talk about as far as implications of player rankings and what it means. But I, I think the first thing that uh, I really want to hear from is, um, or, the, or the first person I really want to hear from on this is Ben, right? Because like, unlike, you know, me, me and SF, you are actually at the event. And Gommel, you know, we're reaching a point where this is, this is starting to become an annual major that, you know, maybe we don't look forward to in the same breath as like Genesis or the big house. But I, I think this is a major that's really having its place as in the scene as these as one of the biggest summer majors to go to every year. I mean, we, we've seen it gradually grow over the years. We've seen top players uh, consistently pick Toronto as one of their favorite spots. So, um, I mean, I mean, before we jump into the actual bracket itself, Ben, what did you like about your Gamo experience? What do you think this tournament brings to the table? Yeah, there was there was definitely stuff that I liked and didn't like. Um, the international travel was definitely did not like that. Um, going there, it was all right, but coming back was definitely the most stressful airport experience ever. Um, but firstly, the city was amazing. It's nice that everything's walkable. Um, it did kind of suck that some like apparently some cell phone providers like the data just didn't work there and i guess mine was one of them so i couldn't like do anything on my own but there were just you know plenty of groups to go with people and, and just like take charge so that was that was nice um as far as the bracket format goes um just still getting used to no pools on friday i think that that's a kind of a like a change that doesn't seem to be going away um which is nice I'm, I'm i'm okay with that it's it's nice to just like play all your sets and uh you know have all friday to to get ready for your sets and then play your sets on uh saturday so that that part is nice um i'm down for that i think it would be nice uh and i haven't seen any majors experiment with this at all to like instead of only having top eight on sunday maybe split it up just a tad bit more so like top 16 24 ish on sunday i think uh main stage last year did that actually and that was pretty entertaining seemed nice for uh a little bit larger group of players to like get to get to play on sunday um yeah i think that i would like to see that more at majors but um friday was really nice i i think uh a lot of people were pointing out that doubles was ran a lot better and i would agree I think uh, the decision to not stream any round one matches or even like, you know, all of like round one pools and even a lot of round two was just like not put on stream, made it run really fast. And uh, only, you know, viewers only see the, the more important matches because personally, I think that that's part of why doubles is just not very entertaining is because so much of it is like just the early rounds that it's hard to get invested into. Um, so I'm not sure how the viewership was on that, but from a competitor standpoint, I think uh, the competitors like that a lot more. And then uh, crew battles, I think is one of the best like Friday side event formats mm. pop like ever. I actually might go as far to say that that was the best 
group battle ever played in melee. Wow. The USA versus the world one. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, why don't we talk about this for a little bit? I think uh, it's kind of crazy that the, the top eight of Gommel turned out as, as wild as it was, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right, Ben. That crew battle, I I think it, it that that's got to be one for the record books, right? I think it, oh, yeah. just the you know the actual flow of the crew battle, the momentum shift, some of the, some of the questionable decisions. I think on on both ends uh, that I, I'm sure you know if we could we could dedicate a whole episode to that, right? Yeah, but but either way, you know, it, it, I've never seen a like ten versus ten like <laughs> that's a long crew battle. That's Very a long journey. And uh, you had a, such a good mix of like old school, new school players on both sides, foreign talent, U.S. talent. And it was just so exciting at how close it was the entire time. It felt like any time there was a big like lead, it was just evaporated instantly by some like big upset, you know. Um, but having it come down to IBW and Moki especially was, was quite poetic because I feel like they are like the champions of... Uh, NA and, and Canada in some in some regards, and they're both, you know, extremely exciting sets, very even sets. They go back and forth. So having it come down to an even four to four between those two was definitely set the stage for like a really awesome final game. Ben, what was it like kind of from your experience as a competitor there, you know, like being put in near the end and having a lot of pressure on you? Yeah, I really really did not expect them to, to to save me for that long going in second to last is very anxiety inducing but um part of me was was definitely just so focused on like warming up that i didn't really even pay attention to the stocks there were there were moments during when i was playing hitbox and i was second to last i'm like oh my god this is dead even like i have to take this stock i have to take this stock if i don't it, it's like that just ruins it for the whole team this is a lot of pressure I was so relieved that I, I would, that I at least got him to one. Almost, almost took him out. I was really bummed I couldn't take him out, but uh, I would have felt bad if Cody lost the stock stage box, and I was super relieved that he didn't. Um, but yeah, no, going in second to last was like very unexpected. I think that comes back to like maybe one of the more questionable decisions was like putting Kalindi in for Spooper, because I, I think Kalindi is a very like low value pick to take out one of their highest values with hbox they could have definitely saved kalindi for hbox mm -hmm. and saved cody and you know everything like that and they had me to throw in a super and we likely would have just traded socks or she comes out on top of that you know so i fully expected to go in versus like swooper or it was interesting that they sent zuppy in versus uh or no jmook in versus zuppy instead of saving jmook for i don't know the the better opponents um, and it just so happened that Zuppy was playing super on point and took him out, which was, I was very surprised crazy. Them sending James yeah. I thought that almost threw the crew battle, honestly. Yeah. Logically, I think sending me in would have made more sense, but, uh, either way, like there were definitely just a couple decisions that made it closer than it needed to be. But like, they also just played well to the point where they evened it up, which made it more entertaining. So, so SF. You've, uh, you know, a lot of tournament results, you know, a good amount of melee history. When this crew battle is looked at and when it's reviewed, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the history books or whatever, what decision do you think from the world's perspective 
is the one that changed the outcome of the crew battle. If you could change one thing that the world could have done, maybe it's a player choice, a counterpick or whatever, what do they do differently? What's the one thing that you change that ends up with the world on top? I think it's a very, it's a very easy choice. And if you don't send in none versus yes. Zane. <laughs> yes, I was about to say the same thing. I, uh, yeah. It's so bad. Tossing none like that was definitely huge because he could have easily sent in none versus like me or uh, Cody or like anyone like that. And, um, yeah. I think Hbox, I think Hbox was the safest bet to like not get four stocked by Zane, you know? Mm hmm. So SF, I want to hear your rationale. Uh, why do you think? Why do you think none was it? I, I have my reasons for why I think he's a bad choice, but I want to kind of hear you explain it. I mean, so historically, none has always struggled with Zane. Even when Zane was like hard stop versus like Wizzy and S2J and Smuckers and Gatsu, uh, he would just beat none all the time. It was never close. It would like be a, a game four maybe, um, and it, it has stayed the same. Uh, during the pandemic, they stayed the same after the pandemic, uh, and so when they sent in none on stadium, it's like this is just these. I just it felt like they were like throwing. It's like yeah, it's Falcon versus Marth. It has to go well. And then, you know, Zane did fair, fair F smash four times into an edge guard that he would kill none off of, and just and that was it. And I, I think yeah, I agree with Ben entirely. Yeah, at the end of the day, choice. if you're playing a fastball, you have to win. execute well. And in crew battles, yeah. sometimes it's just really hard. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that like it, so it was particularly painful because the moment, uh, you know, again, I, I think maybe their logic was it's Captain Falcon in a crew battle, right? Like maybe just a crew yeah, battle. Falcon Marth, you know, like yeah. out of the choices that they still had left, it did make some sense. So I don't, but I don't blame but them. But like in the context of none versus Zane specifically. Yeah. It was it was one of those things that I immediately DM'd. Uh, it was either Chape or SF or both, but I immediately thought this is a bad idea. Like this, like like they should send an H box because at least on Dreamland, on I think, Dreamland, right? Yeah, he'll at least get. They, he'll at least probably bring him to like one, if not just outright. H box was a good one. H box did super well. He took two stocks. I think to losing one, and there was just, did his job. Yeah, he did super good. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> I think I came in next. Yeah, I did and uh yeah. almost took three so that was definitely really nice i saw the twitch chat everyone was like super doubting and understandably but uh just makes it even more better that i didn't you know give into what people expected well i think that uh look there, there's so many things we could talk about with the with the crew no battle. yeah i didn't mean to to talk too much about the decisions of the crew battle but <laughs> yeah. i do think that it it, it was reminiscent it took all the best qualities of some of the best crew battles we've seen. And it's okay. been a long time since we've seen a really fun, cool land crew battle. It was reminiscent of like, maybe like the big house, like Europe versus SoCal, like some of those, but it took all the best aspects where instead of just getting to see your best Europeans and SoCal, you got to see your best foreign players from almost every single country represented. And you got a really nice mix of new and old school players in an, a super climactic, close, exciting, long crew battle. Like, to me, that was one of the best ones ever played. I think, uh, you know, Ben, yeah. it's you know, because this happened last weekend. Um, it's so hard to get the magic out of the out of, It's so hard to view it like objectively. But, right. you know, I, I have thought about it a lot. 
You mentioned the big house as an example to compare it with. And I think that's a very good example. But you know what, Ben? I'm going to go even further than that. Even further I, back. I think this is and was the most exciting crew battle at this level of play since the first Genesis. I think this will be remembered as yeah as a contender for great. That's that's battle. fair enough because I honestly only know what you know what was in my time, so I don't have uh, too much of a gauge. The best ones that I can think of were like uh, East Coast West Coast ones, uh, regional crew battles at Big House, like those kind of ones. But uh, if you go even further back to like the the, the old school, like yeah. East Coast West Coast Genesis, like all those, those were definitely really they're up there too. Yeah. It's weird. It felt like there was actual almost stakes in the crew battle. This was the yeah, best modern crew battle, I think. Yeah, yeah. in a long so. time. What were you saying, SF? Yeah. I think this is like, even though there weren't any like stakes in particular, it's like a thousand dollars, I think, but there weren't any stakes. But it really felt like every stock mattered, every player mattered, and it was just so much energy put into it. And I just, it was so yeah. enjoyable to watch. Another aspect coming back to what Gommel did right having a crew battle bracket for everyone to play in was another great choice because you had a way to engage the Twitch viewers in a really exciting high level crew battle. And then you had a way to engage the competitors actually in the event to play with their friends, get rowdy for them. You know, all of it was just great. It, it filled the whole day with a lot of content and uh, a lot of excitement. Um, and there were still plenty of friendly setups too. So it was just a great balance for the Friday. And Friday is often like, you know, the most complained about day, like not much is going on. Top players, you know, get pretty drained there and stuff. So I think it did a really good job of that. So I want to uh, just kind of briefly transition into the next topic, which is uh, the player that started off uh, Gommel Crew Battles looking a little shaky, uh, Josh Men ended up having you know one of the one of the best underdog runs in you know modern you know maybe over the last five years maybe or so right so we see josh man not do too great in the crew battle taking three stocks and he ends up having the greatest tournament weekend of his life the first you know big top eight in australian players ever had um sf uh you know, Josh Man's someone that we've seen uh, do pretty well in America. We've seen him come here, go back to Australia, and obviously this is kind of like the end of his NA trip. Um, sort of, I want to hear your thoughts on his trajectory as a player and sort of what his path has been like this year as far as, as his performances in America and like sort of what's built up uh, Josh Man to where he is right now and to this performance, really. It's been a very... Very strange year, I suppose, because, I mean, he started off in this weird, like, wants to play as Falco, wants to play as Sheik, wants to play as Marth, which we saw at SoCal Locals, and then we saw uh, a, briefly at Genesis when he lost to John Wick going Sheik into Marth into Fox uh, and going out in 65th. And then it, at, uh, I think, Emerald City, he went, uh, it, Sheik did a spark for whatever reason and, and just played Sheik versus Fat Goku. Um, and it was very sort of, I mean, his secondaries are amazing, almost as good as his Fox, but it was very strange just to like, to see them. Uh, and then something just sort of changed, I think, in the past like month or so, where he would have these insanely close sets with S2J at SoCal Locals, was beating Kadorn in these nail-biter clenchers of sets. Um, and then he finally got to actually like, put it all together in an out-of-region, like, big, big tournament. It was insane to see. It was actually, it was incredible to see. I'm uh, very, 
I think an amazing way to cap off. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Sort of possible. Ever since summer 2012, like, we knew he could have that performance, and he was good enough to do it, but to, like, finally put it together in one tournament on the big stage. It, 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 it kind of seemed like he was battling more with, like, what he wanted to be in the game rather than mm -hmm. what he was capable of. Like, it was very clear what he was capable of, but it was, you know, I've seen him put out some tweets about, like, does he want to take the game seriously? What, like, does he want to only commit to Fox? Like, things like that. And I think, you know, I don't know, but maybe it being towards the end of his trip had something to do with him, like, maybe wanting to leave a larger impression uh, before he left again. That made it come all together, or at least to start taking it a little bit more seriously. Not that he wasn't before, but maybe just to, like, give it his all with his best character. Um, who knows? Maybe there wasn't anything like that, but it just seemed like uh, something mentally changed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, Ben, oh, I, I kind of, I want to hear your perspective on, like, you know, Josh Man had so many great sets, right? So this is someone who beat Amsa. This is someone who beat Moki in the Fox Ditto. You know, historically a matchup that Moki quite rarely loses in, right? Like, this, he's had every top box he's played number for, for quite quite some time, right? Then we see him take a set off IBDW, right? Yep. Which again, yep. like, you know, that that's still that's still a top win. Uh, it wasn't that long ago when we saw uh, when we saw Josh Man get eight stocked in two games by Leffen. So like right. what, what a massive turnaround. I mean, so like I guess the question I want to ask you, Ben, is is like which of these sets do you, do you think is most surprising for um, for where if I had to pick, I would say the Amsa one was extremely surprising. Um, maybe it's the way the meta is going and more people are starting to understand Yoshi a bit better, uh, largely due to like Omsa attending so many tournaments in such consecutive, you know, fashion, or I don't know. I mean, Yoshi's not the best character, but we've seen Omsa just decimate any non like top five Fox. So, and I, I don't recall Sora having any yoshi experience either so to see him take out amsa and the way he did was really surprising saw that one in person saw the last stock it was crazy that one surprised me the most but i think all of them are equally surprising moki being such a such a force in fox it is ibw being such a force in general and then yoshi being such an unorthodox fantastic player especially that's all three like really good wins for a fox SF, give me a number. Where does Josh Mann finish on this upcoming PGR? Oh my god. Top 15 at least, right? I, I want to say, yeah, like maybe 15th-ish, honestly. I mean, if I am allowed to consider <laughs> locals and uh, and these tournaments where uh, plot players are experimenting, as some would say, uh, yeah, easily. Yeah, if the I had to say like 13, easily. 15, somewhere in like that, I think I saw. Yeah, I. You know yeah, what? I think that's 100%. fair because because you know, SF, you, you do mention locals as some place that he shined in SoCal. I mean, also, I, I think I saw it was you, Edwin, that brought up like at the time, like with Genesis, there were a lot of upsets that we thought like, oh, that's a rough loss, and then we found out later it's like, no, that wasn't a rough loss. It's just this player was also on a very big trip, like uprising, and we saw that with Crudo, who took out Sora right. really early. Yeah. John Wick is still talented, you know, maybe not the greatest loss, but Crudo is definitely not a bad loss by any means. At definitely John Wick worst might, not, might have like 
John Wick might go on a, a crazy run of double down this weekend, and then suddenly, oh, that's also another top twenty loss now. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, maybe you know. It's funny you mentioned Crudo because I think uh, I think so highly of Crudo and Josh, right? So like, I, I think they, these two are like outstanding. Yeah, players. two of my favorite players for sure. Yeah, almost certainly finish in the in the top twenty five or thirty. You know, however however you thought, I would be very surprised if they finished out of that. They both had like, really really good good starts to the year, at least. Yeah, I think it's funny that Crudo is the point of comparison because obviously they're natural link. But I think also in a way, like uh, just to quickly talk about their, you know, results overall without getting too caught in the details. Um, you know, it's funny that John Wick is seen as, you know, a relatively weak loss or a, a surprising loss for Josh to follow. Because Crudo, you know, we saw Crudo also have something, a version of that at CEO, right? With right. like here beating him. So I, I think like... I think well, that's just the generation of melee we're living in yeah, at the moment exactly. where we have to say that, oh, this is objectively a bad loss from a ranking perspective, but from players, like, no, none of these people are bad by any means. This is just the level the game is being pushed to. And and I think what, what I've really admired about Josh in particular is that, um, look, I mean, we've had him on the show multiple times. Like, we... we we like Josh personally. We think he's a we think he's an exciting player, also. But even just objectively, you know, th this is someone who who's coming all the way to America from another continent. He's coming all the way multiple times, by a matter of fact, and he's entering our biggest tournaments. And you know, this is something that we've talked about a lot on the show. But like, if you have the opportunity to travel to regionals and travel to majors to compete, if you have a bad major, you know what what typically helps that is actually just continuous to another one to attend. Another major, there's, there's always more melee tournaments. And I've just, uh, I, I'm just, uh, I don't want to say proud because that sounds too like entitled, but I'm just really, I'm really impressed and inspired by sort of like his con continued dedication to the game and to going to tournaments. And I think it, and I, I think we all can agree that his Gommel performance is just like an incredible wrap up to his um, return to NA. Oh yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean, um, while while Josh Man is certainly kind of the underdog run of the story, I think you know it's time that we we get to talking about um, you know you know the the guy who finished in number one, the the real headline performance uh, of this event. But before we do that, uh, I do want to say that we have a pre-recorded segment that our wonderful departed. Not departed. That makes it sound like <laughs> our, our our wonderful uh, usual host of the show has decided to leave behind a video introducing what we're going to talk about next. So, without further ado, um, you know, Wheat has some words that he wants to give the listeners, the viewers, and to us three right now. So, what is up, everyone? It's Wheat live from my vacation home, having a great time trying not to think about melee not really succeeding but that is the life um so i watched gommel i got to catch it what an amazing tournament probably one of the best top eights we've seen in a long time and it answered the age-old question can hbox win a major now it's time for the new question can hbox win two majors so i want to thank edwin and ben for keeping it down while i'm on vacation and i will uh, post that question to you too so the question i have for you too is can hbox win another major this year or is this going to be a year where he just gets, goes one and done? I'll see you guys next week. Peace. So, <laughs> I think, uh, first off, I just want to say, and this is not something that I'm willing to 
say publicly most of the time. I got owned. I didn't think HBox could do it. I thought I thought heading into this event that it was almost certain that he was going to lose to IBDW if they both played. I thought the prospect of him not having to play Zane, who's been his hardest opponent, was very unlikely. Um, I didn't think he could win. Yeah, I didn't. Th- I genuinely slept on Clutch Box, and I got owned for it. So I just wanted to say that out of the way. No, I completely agree. When I remember it was uh, Itatsu asked me like. How do you think Jamuk is going to do versus Zane? I thought, you know, based on his project, you know, his trajectory is like started off with such an explosive genesis, but then like slowly some of the top players get to play him again, and then they generally have won. So it was insanely surprised, you know. When I saw Zane go up two, I was like, okay, this makes sense. Jamuk will be back, but he's got to, you know, readapt and and really cement himself first, and he did within that set. Um, <laughs> uh, it's definitely unavoidable the fact that he got around Zane, and he's yet to prove any signs of life versus him. But it did seem like Cody, while very hard, was doable out of at least... He sort of has three opponents that have, for the most part, looked impossible, and his only roadblocks to winning a major, which is Zane, Weapon, and IBW. IBW being the uh, most doable. Give me one sec. Yeah, so so I, I think I think what Ben was going going on with with that was he, he was talking about like the typical you know like what was stopping HBox from winning a major, right? So he he mentions those three. I I would want to add actually one more. I I think Wizro when he was active was was also right. Active. Yeah, that that's true. You can't forget Wizzy. It's just it's yeah. just easy to forget about him in the the current landscape with his uh, issues, health issues. But um, in the current landscape for HBox to win a major is. So many- it was those three players for the most part. Um, his only other were like constant threats was like Plup. Uh, that's kind of it. Uh, honestly, it's 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 insane to think that really not all that long ago the list of threats to him was growing and growing and growing, and it just looked so hard, and he just really cleaned it up so fast to the point where now it doesn't even look doable anymore for anyone outside of like a very, you know, count them on one hand group of players to, to constantly beat him or pose a threat. But the, but the players that are on that hand are definitely very, very favored. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic. One where it requires either him to prove that he still has it has what it takes to be the best in the world or some bracket luck, which I think we saw a glimpse at both, which made it all the more interesting. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, it, it's funny. You mentioned that there, there are a small group of players that can beat him outside the very top tier. Right. And I think that's something that we we've, we've seen this year, you know, even on land at, at majors. Right. So he played just he, about every top 20 player at this point and proven that like, he still got them. Yeah, he, he can beat them, right? But like you know, we yeah. have seen someone like Nun challenge him, you know, albeit through yeah. a very miraculous, you know, last yeah. back. But even then, even just at this event, you saw how yeah. how dominant he cleaned that up, and uh, just you know, someone funny. like SDJ too. It was online, but he, you know, I remember not that long ago losing uh, TMT West Coast, um, and then just absolutely dominating uh, against SDJ again. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, What's so interesting, 
it's so interesting how yeah. he can turn around in just like a tournament, like like a snap of his fingers, right? I mean, I think if you if you asked me, and in fact, for a matter of fact, Jack Silla asked me last week, can Hungrybox turn it around from losing to KGH and getting fifth at at CEO, you know, in his own home state to just that's a good point. Right. There are there are a few select. It seems like Fox is the only matchup at this point that. Uh, he's still prone to getting upset by um it's yet to be seen some of the online people who have been beating him on land you have a uh, aklo it would be someone moki you could see moki play him this upcoming yeah, weekend hopefully you can see that that's definitely a big question mark bobby it's like bobby moki aklo <laughs> those three in particular are still beating him online even now so it's those three in particular are definitely question marks. But as far as every other matchup, he's cleaned it up. There's not really any Morris, Sheiks, uh, Peaches Peach. anymore that are, are beating him. Puffs, like none of them. It's basically just, even even the Falcos, he's solidly beaten Magi multiple times now. Solidly beaten Fiction, solidly beaten Ginger. Uh, Mango goes Fox and is still losing with Fox. So it's easy. It's easy to assume that he wouldn't have any problems with this Falco either. Um, Falco seems like he's got that unlock again. Where it's it's shades of the old H box, the the prime H box, um, where Fox is slowly becoming his only matchup he's losing again, which is interesting. Yeah. So I, I guess to go back to Wheat's original question, can H box win a second major? What, what do you think, Ben? Is it? Are you leaning toward a yes? Are you? Are you still? Are you doubtful? I am hundred percent yes, but with bracket luck at the very moment, he has not shown longevity. Is what he hasn't been able to show versus those select people. So I, I needs to see him show any more signs of life versus Zane and Leffen in particular, especially Leffen. Those ones are ugly um and zane those sets have looked doable sometimes like it's it's always just been like one rest away from you know some of the games but zane always looks like it's completely in his control and it's only getting worse um so he does need to show a little bit more there for me to start having more confidence that he'll be at least winning more majors if not the best in the world again he's close the fact that it's down to like now maybe two players that he is unable to beat because you don't have to constantly beat every single player a hundred percent of the time to be the best player in the world not with the current shape that melee is in where everyone is so good and the head heads are very skewed and hard to rank he just has to be able to prove that he can take sets off of everyone even if he's not winning every single set and i think that that's the one thing that's held him back from being number one at least on the summer rank SF, it seems like Ben is on the yes train for he can win a second major, but with luck. Do you disagree with that? Do you agree? Are you full, you know, wholeheartedly on the H God train now? Tell me, what are your thoughts on him? Oh, I I have to say yes too. I have to say yes. I think. I think what Ben ended with is so right. Like in a world where everyone is so upsettable, where like you don't have to beat Leffen or uh, Zane or maybe even IVDW to win a major, where you have to beat you know a J Mook, a Nun, an S2J, um, a Kadoran, 
instead. I don't know. Hbox can do it. Hbox versus I mean, we those. We saw like, him do it. So. It's a yeah, funny and, thing. And, and honestly, even if he's you know yeah. down versus IBW, all it takes is for him to get past him like one or two times, like we saw at Gamble for for a great yeah. you know you know for an H God bib for sure. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm not convinced that he's like no. favored versus Cody in the future. And I will still always favor Cody at least. But it did seem games. like he's and what happened? It worked the the ledge planking strat a little bit. Yeah, it was interesting to see him like play for the ledge grab limit, whereas before he was just camping. It seems like now he's actually playing for uh, yeah, Puff's maximum like ledge time, ledge planking rules. It, it, it'll be interesting to see for better or worse how that develops. You know, I wonder if you know, it'll also be interesting yeah. to see how the reverse pop off. Um, you know, metagame develops as well. Like, yeah. Does this, do, do you guys think oh, this brings yeah. us into new waters as far as their uh, rivalry? I mean, who's to say what's what's coming up next? You think, is Hungrybox going to try to beat him to the punch a little faster? Are they both going to start popping off on each other? Are I they- think the next one, they both will. That's my prediction. <laughs> Regardless of the outcome. Well, it'll be funny. Do you, any of you guys remember the... Uh, Hbox just, like, just popping off the Cody. Do any of you guys remember <laughs> the, like, the Armada and Hbox pop off, I think from like Summit 3 or something, where Armada keeps popping off, then Hbox lose, pops off back and starts swearing, and Armada pops off harder. Yeah, know? yeah. It was especially great because uh, the way the Summit like camera, where there was just no, like, no game sound or anything, it was just like, you just heard the room. Yeah. yeah, it was dead silent except for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, Ben, I think, uh, you know, Critical released a video talking about it, about it being like uh, the the ultimate like moment that gamers need to see or whatever. I, I forget the name of the title, but like within a day, it had 780,000 views. It already has a million. Yeah. Okay. So it already has a million right now. I, I want you to seriously consider the possibility that, you know, there were doc kids a long time ago. There were Evo kids, MLG kids. Is it possible that the scene gets people, you know, like that people and a significant group of people get into the scene from being, you know, reverse pop-off kids? Is this a thing? Unfortunately, that no. I think the only thing that this is going to gain for anyone is money in Hbox's pocket. Ultimately, it's insane how he just keeps winning. <laughs> In every single, <laughs> it's only going to get him more viewers and more donors and more subs. Really, it's all for the content, isn't it? Yeah, even when he loses, he wins. He chooses. How does he see the game so differently? <laughs> so much better. <laughs> so I, Cody I, tried I, it, but you can't take down the behemoth of content that uh, is. He like it's almost like a like a ball that just sucks everyone into it, right? Like yeah. when you play it, when you play a set versus hungry box, you know, win or lose, you get sucked into the Huanten sphere. You do. I know firsthand of like people asking me about like what do you think of this pop-up? I'm like, I lost. What do you mean what do I think of the pop-up? Yeah, I'm imagining I'm imagining one or two people just going up to you at majors and asking you how you feel about hungry box pop offs, and you're like, I don't know how to feel about it. I, I deal with it. Yeah, firsthand. You know, uh, I, I wonder if it's going to start inspiring other people to do the same thing, right, Ben? So, like, when you when you beat Hungrybox or when you play the next set, 
regardless of how it goes. Are you going to beat him to the punch on it? Are you? Nah. But does this change your approach? I've actually never popped off in any set ever. Even when I like think about it, I always forget. Like it just, it just, I just don't have that urge. It's like more often than not, it's just I'm always holding my breath uh, in a in a set I'm about to win, and it's just the biggest exhale every single time. So I just don't even like. I never have even thought about it. But the emotion is still there, even if it, it's not as visible. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. You know, I, I think the elephant in the room in this discussion, um, you know, when we're talking about Harmony Box's chances of winning a major, we mentioned all these names. We mentioned Zane, we mentioned IBW, Nun, S2J, all these people. But l let's be real. I, I think we all agree that, you know, in some form or, uh, or another, like, you know, is Hungrybox beating IBW big? Yes, it is. But it's not something that we necessarily like. The singular set, you know, the a singular case of him defeating IBW in a high stakes set was not was not something that had zero precedent, right? Like it was, you know, maybe do we think that it would lead him to win a major? No, but it, we saw it as something that was possible, even if it was long shot odds. I think the real thing about a hungry box victory is that you know we're talking about likely brackets and eating bracket luck. But, like, you know, how much is bracket luck if JMook becomes a name that you can reliably see in winners' finals, right? So I think, you know, when we talk about Hungrybox's chances of winning a major, all of us agree that Zayn is currently his hardest opponent. But, you know, the biggest thing that, uh, that would get in the way of, uh, of Zayn's path to winners' finals that would just objectively, as it stands right now, make things easier for HBox is JMook's presence there, right? So, like, yeah. when you're talking about... A, a top chic and not a secondary chic like weapon but just a solo chic has changed the dynamic for other characters like drastically so when we're talking about the dynamic of can hungry box win a second major we're also talking about you know is it likely that zane is going to get there is zane as guaranteed of a presence that deep into bracket as he used to be in the past is yeah. zane in danger in in general like what what, what do we think of, what, do you, what do we think about this weird trifecta because it it really feels like at the, just within themselves at the top of the kind of people that attend tend you know gommel it seems like we got a weird little rps uh, yep back to the rps on twitter that somebody posted the hbox name <laughs> jmook which obviously yeah. falls apart when you throw in every single top yeah box. everyone else mm -hmm. um, so like all these people but but at least in that situation it is a neat little rps um that's developed and it's interesting to see that dynamic i think what's more interesting to talk about is what players have proven that they can beat everyone and don't have any matchup roadblocks versus the players that have proven to be able to win majors but have certain roadblocks in my mind zane ibw leffen and plup and maybe mango on a really good day have all proven that regardless of the matchup, regardless of the player, they can win a major on any given day. Because they have every, all oh, they basically have all their bases covered. Whereas you take players like HBox, like we just talked about, extremely hard roadblocks with Zane and Leppin. Jmook, who's, you know, 0 and 4 clearly has a roadblock versus uh, at least HBox, if not more puffs. It's yet to be seen. Um, Amsa. Has proven to be somewhat of a roadblock for Jamuk. I think they've played at least once, twice. Twice, 
I think twice. I think they played Smash twice. World Tour. Twice. Tour yeah. and Battle of BC. Both three O's. So that that's another roadblock for J Mook. Um, does really well versus Zane. You know, so far I think yes he beat Leppin, but I think that that will prove to be sort of a another roadblock. Uh, if you give them another set, maybe I'm wrong, but Leffen did look very shaky versus a lot of matchups who previously would never have saw him lose him or do as badly as he was. And now Leffen seems to be back in full force. We saw him almost lose to Polish. We saw him lose to Amsa for the first time and then come back and just destroy him. We saw him lose an extremely shaky and sloppy set versus Jmook, at least on his end. Um so my prediction is that Leffen will continue to be a really big roadblock for any any Sheik main. Um, Cody, definitely still a big force for Jmook. Uh, Amsa has a lot of different roadblocks, clearly has shown potential in a lot, but struggles to beat Zane, struggles to beat uh, you know any given top five player, depending on how he's playing. But um, all the current contenders either... It feels like they are con very consistent versus some people, but have roadblocks, or they are very inconsistent, but when they're playing well, they can easily win the major. And it's an interesting 50-50 mm -hmm. dynamic, at least in the top eight, roughly. So I think, um, you know, it, it's interesting that you talk about this, right? We're, we're talking about, you know, like players, what their perceived roadblocks are, which players don't have perceived roadblocks when they're when they're playing well. I think I think you bring up the these points. I think they're they're good to talk about. And I think, uh, you know, like it really just goes to show that I think we're in the most uh, we're in the most dangerous era of competitive melee. Right. You know, this is around the time, at, you know, past the midpoint of the year where it's normal for the beginning of the year to have crazy results, but to, for, but usually there's some kind of order that comes around now. Whereas with this, you know, you, you look at the two to six spots and it really just seems com completely in flux. You either have people that have certain roadblocks that they need to avoid in order to win a major, or in the case of someone like Plup, who I think we've seen do well against roughly everyone in the top level, we, we just see, haven't seen enough of him yeah, enough. in general to, you know, fully confidently, you know, um, confirm that. So SF, I, I want to ask you something um, just with regards to Zane. I think, I think we, we all agree that as far as the current season of Melee goes, in spite of him not being, you know, quite Armada, H-Box, Mango level dominant, he is the most consistently reliable player. I think we can, barring, you know, I, I'm, I won't even say barring, like, I think by the end of Double Down, it's 99% guaranteed that Zane will finish, you know, this summer PGR is number one, right? I don't think anyone has risen to take to take you know his where his place was at the end of pound, right? But my question to you, SF, is by the end of this year, we'll have seen a lot more majors, right? And by that point, who do you think can uh, you know what would we what would you need to see in order for you to reconsider the idea of Zane currently being the best player in the world? I would need to see. I need to see him a lot more versus Sheik, honestly. I'm very, I think one of the big problems Zane has right now is I'm not sure how he is versus Sheik, at least at the top level. Like his, his last losses, I think all out, his like past six losses now at majors have been J Mook, J Mook, Leffen, Leffen, J Mook, Plop. <laughs> yeah. 
And so I'm just, I know um, if you upset Albert, I think, Ben, you get to play Zeno yeah. the current seating at double I, I wouldn't say good. for anyone to get their hopes up. Mars not really a good matchup of mine. But, like, you know, if he's especially flustered versus Sheik, you might even see yeah. Sheik's like me or Crudo or, like, Spark take a game here and there, you know? It's exactly. Like characteristic. Um, it's yet I think game. if that's a matchup that becomes more prevalent for him, like that he has to play a lot more. Uh, he knew what he actually predicted this and started to prepare well in advance. And it was interesting that it just didn't really happen for a bit. Cause I remember early 2021, like halfway through the year, as soon as Leffen decided to pick up Sheik, he knew that like, okay, this is going to be the, he, I think he literally said Mars Sheik will be the matchup of 2022. And we've kind of seen that. Um, mm -hmm. But at first we were like, oh, I guess not. I guess Zane is just going to win. And then Jamuk kind of just came out of nowhere, proving Genesis wrong, making the adjustments. And now it's like, Zane has a serious roadblock for the first time since, uh, what, 2019? We even further got and on the H box or, or, or Axe, right? Like Axe and yeah. H box were very hard for him. And I think the fun thing, I think the fun thing to consider is if Axe can actually come back as yes. another sort of team for Zane. Now that, yes, you know. There's no real need for Axe or Zane to grind Pikachu anymore. And Axe just, you know, has to play Zane again. I'd be curious to see if Zane or Axe can, like, return to being that demon. And if Zane gets more, like, prevalent demons that are going to meet him uh, in top 16, top 8, uh, I think at that point I'd have to start looking at other contenders like Leffen, I think, or Plup, uh, who yeah. could actually be more consistent. Across I, I think as far as the summer rank goes, the only player going to double down that could even remotely have an argument above him is IBDW. But even then, that's a very loose, very unlikely case scenario. Um, yeah. There's just nobody else going that's like, H-Box, I, eh, I guess. But like he's so down in the head-to-head -head versus like certain people that I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't um, think more than that would be enough from him. No. Um, I don't think it would be enough for IBDW. I'll, I'll be yeah, honest. So we're, so we're more talking about like end of year and end, end game stuff here. But um. Yeah, I think that it just comes back to, like, there's such a large player group now of, um, that we just haven't seen enough. Like, even in my brain, like, JMook, there's still a lot that needs to be seen there. JMook versus Pikachu has not been seen. JMook versus other Falcons, because to be honest, none definitely seemed like he was caught off guard. Has a somewhat roadblock versus Sheik in the past. Um, I want to see or JMook especially versus other Falcons. Um, like a more prime Leffen, Axe. Jamie could Ditto. Ices. Ices. I don't even know what character Jamie would go versus Ices. We haven't seen him versus Slug or, or like Chudat or anything like that. So there's a lot to, to be said about like players that are clearly out there, clearly who could make a, a big dent into the these top six, top eight players that just currently aren't going to events who likely will by the end of the year. That's such a, you know, that's such a fascinating way to put it because like, it seems like we all agree he's in danger, but like, as far as, uh, as far as like being a dominant, you know, or, you know, world beating player, but as far as like someone to step up and take that number one spot, it does, uh, it does seem unusually challenging, doesn't it? Right. Like it yeah. really, uh, like, I, I think, uh, I think back to the point that like mm -hmm. we have exited the era where the number one player is fully dominant at least for this year i think that no matter what 
the number one player is not going to be as clear cut as it has been in the past or even, you know, any of the spots. It's definitely still Zane. He's definitely the the safest pick, but you know, give it you know, we, we know Wizrobe is right around the corner. We know Axe is eventually going to be back. Um Leffen will be back more, you know, like there's definitely a lot coming for him that uh he's having problems now and it's only going to get harder, so we'll see what he can do, but uh yeah. So like I think as far as as far as the top level goes, I think we agree that like Zane versus Spacey's is still is still a fair like that's the kind of bracket that he wants to see, right? Yeah. Mm. If if Zane sees IBW in his bracket, is is that necessarily an auto win? Probably not. That's probably going to be you know like IBW. I think the way there's only a couple Spacey's that you could say aren't an auto win at this point. Yes. Only okay. like less you can count on one hand. Um, IBW and maybe Mango, but even that looked pretty grim. It's spaces yeah, are definitely always going to be preferable for him. Yeah, you know, like uh, I, I heard it through the grapevine. I, I don't know how serious this is or when it will be revealed, but you know, I have heard rumblings that Zane is considering uh, developing oh. a puff secondary. Yeah, I thought that was already like. He hasn't posted about it publicly, but it's been like, yeah, I guess it has mostly just been a rumor, but he, he's already been working on it. Him and uh, he was playing Moki Sheik, just did running sets and stuff. Yeah, Ben, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, you think this is something that we'll see this year if it gets bad enough? or do you I think, think it makes sense. No matter what? I think it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in the context of Leffen, which is what seems like he was making it for. Because at best, you're only going to have a preferable like counterpick war on one stage, only one counterpick time. Because I don't see his puff beating his fox, whereas I do see Leffen's Sheik beating his puff. And it seems like that would be a really big time investment for not a whole lot of payoff. Um, it depends on how much he wants to push it and use it, I guess. There's a lot of potential there for like puff versus Pikachu. Puff versus the solo sheiks, but like it would take a lot of work. It would certainly add an interesting dynamic, but in terms of like the Leffen counterpick war, which is what I think he said he wanted it for, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in my head. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I think especially like you, you mentioned Leffen as one name, but I think even entering a counterpick war with someone like Pluff is not something that you wanted. I feel like that'll, no, I feel like, like, like Pluff and Leffen secondaries are just so strong and so well yeah. practiced it just seems like a lot of work with whereas that same amount of work could probably just be put into the marth and have an even bigger payoff i don't know yeah i mean it's not that like like zane's jigglypuff is very good i'm sure if you if he really wanted to seriously take it out and turn it i'm sure he could and he could find some level of success it's yeah. just more like would it be worth it at the risk of now opening a you know pandora's box when it comes to yeah that's right no i agree it seems like an odd thing to do in the like a midpoint for the year but uh yeah we'll see if he ever decides to do that it seems like an idea something he maybe wants to try and i'm for that i don't know you know it's always if you're having a matchup you're struggling in just like trying out a different character seeing if it fits you like i can relate to that a lot with like the Luigi the icy thing 
Whereas like objectively, all signs pointed to just work it out, grind it out with Marth because that's the better matchup. But what worked for me in my play style and what I wanted was Luigi versus Ices. And it actually paid off tremendously. So sometimes in Melee, it's not always about like what the best, most correct thing is logistically. And sometimes it's more about a comfort pick. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So I guess to close this discussion on Zane, you know, wrap a bow on it, then uh, ship it off. We're going to uh, play another numbers game, all right? So, Ben, I'm going to ask you, how many more majors does Zane win this year? How many majors is he going to is the question. I don't know. I know he's... Ballpark. I actually think he will win double down with none of the Sheiks in attendance. There's no Pikachus or Sheiks. And uh, I think that there's no Wizzy. There's no, like... Every large threat to him is not there. I think the only one that I could see him losing to at this event is Cody. And that even then, Cody has to beat him twice and make it to him. So I've got Zane winning at least double down, cementing himself as number one for the summer. And uh, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's The sky's the limit once he breaks through the, uh, the Sheik Road block. So you are so can I say like two or three from you? I think even more. I think uh, I think we're looking at five or six or more. Wow. I think that he's such a hard worker, super smart. He's already asking a bunch of sheiks to grind. And you can see how close he already was multiple times to at least beating Jmook. Like he went up 2-0 twice and then just kind of like started dropping a bunch of stuff. I think if he figures out just a little bit more, we'll see him turn the corner in that sooner than people might expect sf give it a number how many more majors does zane win this year i'd say like four i can see him win like double down shine maybe smash con um but i think i'm just sort of also worried i want to also see him i'm worried for him on the bigger stage like at a big house for example because zane i think one of the takeaways i had from the jmook sets at uh gama was just how I think just the pressure gets to him a yeah. little bit. And I think it more like prestigious. More like, uh, like big houses, uh, Smash World like, Tours, know. Panda Circuits, like just like yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. It might I don't know if someone like really puts the pressure on him in a game five set, I don't know if Zane's gonna be able to Yeah, and we've seen up. him fall to the pressure even versus Spacey's. So we'll yeah. see. It's kind of wild that we're saying this about the number one player in the world, right? Like, think of the expectations that we're putting on him. Like, this is someone that all of us agree are, is going to end Summer PGR, like, number one. We all think that, you know, Ben, you, you put it yourself, right? That if Zane won five or six majors by the – more majors by the end of the year, would we really be that surprised? No. Well, the thing is, is that there's a lot of majors coming. So yeah, I just yeah. don't know how many he's That's going true. to is the thing. It really, like, if he's confirmed for, like, 10 more majors, it's, like, he's the favorite to win all 10 of those. So it could just happen, you know? It could just happen. Yeah, who knows? Danny, does, uh, excuse me, SF, does Zane win more majors this year, or does the field win more majors? Out of majors that Zane attends. Um, I would say the field. I mean, I think the field's winning right now, right? Up three to two. Um, no, four to two. Uh, 
three to three to two, three to two. Um, I think the field. I think the field's stronger than it ever has been. Uh, I think that Zane's scary matchups are the ones who could be the ones winning majors, like Leffen, like Plup. Um, so I think. I think more interesting. I don't know. I, I feel honestly. I think Leffen is actually a very strong case for starting to win lots of majors. That you just never know what he's attending and what he'll actually yeah, make you do. But he, now that he's chic, like that's all he's been working on with chic, he can start to put a lot more focus into the matchups he's losing with Mox. Yeah. Um, yeah. This guy's the limit for Leffen, too. I think Leffen is just so good. He consistently looks to be like a top three level player almost, even when he's bad. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say three. But I do share, um, I think I share both of your reservations for whatever reason, be it, you know, maybe the pressure, the pressure, of the biggest stages of all, in spite of the fact that he literally won Genesis. Yeah. I do worry about Zane in, in high pressure situations, you know, when coming down to last stop. I don't worry about him as much, as much. Uh, I think Genesis would, like you said, was an insane, like mm-hmm. showing. Um, but it was dominant too, other than the IBDW set, which is very admittedly. Well, the IBDW set was what I was going to bring up was um we saw him in the exact same spot reminiscent of you know summit 11 that's that that probably haunts him forever he <laughs> you know he did it he overcame that and he beat and cody won the tournament so so i'm gonna say three. i think i think he wins i think he wins double down this week i think he wins one of phantom or another tournament and i think he will take a big house or summit i, I think he'll win three Maybe that maybe he wins five or six, like Ben says. Maybe he wins four, but we'll see. Why don't we talk about the rest of Double Down then? Because I think you know that this is a this is another major coming up in the year. This is going to be the final major to close the PGR season. So a lot of players have have quite a bit at stake. You got circuit points. You have potential summer ranking. Yeah, even more important, someone like me, I'm really pushing for the Smashville Tour uh, points, and um, it's really huge that. Gamma went well, 100 points. That's pretty good. Um, I'm really looking to get like 100, 200, 250 like here. It's going to be really important for uh, people. Because if I look correctly, pretty much after SmashCon for the Smash World Tour circuit, that's it for uh, NA Platinum events. I think that's literally the last one. Um, and most of the Platinum and events just left in the circuit are all international events. That you likely won't see the common the common man common top 50 player even attending it's very it's either going to be really top heavy players that are already for sure getting in or like international players so making a last stand here for smash world tours is uh going to be very important yeah, so why don't we uh, just just kind of looking at the uh, like notable entrance and everything? I, th- I think you you pretty much get the dynamic exactly right, Ben. I mean, you got you got people like we've mentioned Zane before, but you got IBW, we got Hbox. Um, you know, Plup's unfortunately not going to be attending, but we still but we still have Amsa, Kadoran, we have Mango, Nun, Moki. Then you got kind of like your your top twenty five players like Fiction, Sj, Sfat, Slug, Magi. We have. You know, potentially, you know, yourself as well, Ben, like people, people around that range. And then you get into like a big, you know, mid-level grinders and you have a couple of international players there too, like Professor Pro, Frenzy, 
Daily Stats' very own Chape going there. So yeah, exactly. I, I, I think we got a bit of a top-heavy event, but it almost it creates like a very interesting dynamic because with, with so many players at the top level around and with with this era of competition where the mid-level is, is very dangerous and able to, you know, punch above its perceived weight class a lot more frequently than, you know, maybe before in the past, or we just see more opportunities for them to prove it. Yeah, I, I think it creates a very interesting dynamic, especially with those uh, with those spots on the line. SF is, you know, other than, you know, Melee Stats Chape, who will dominate the event and win six going every single person. Um, you know, what, what are some names that you're excited to see at Double Down in particular? I'm excited to see Shepard Lima. Fiction. Yeah, I was going to say, he's probably the standout pick for someone that is seated very highly and has not been to a big event. What was his last big event? It was like... Pound. Pound? Pound? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, where he did very well, so... He beat Mango and none. So, yeah. uh, Shepard is always... I'm curious to see if he's still doing he's in his phase right now where he's like, I want to be a very fast Falco, so I'm gonna be pressing a lot of buttons and holding forward, and so he's gonna to lose to Khalid and S2J. He's in my pass, so uh yes, hold forward. <laughs> let me show grab, let me show grab you eight times. <laughs> or he's gonna be, you know, I will shoot ten million lasers and you can do nothing because I am Falco and I am just a great character. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think Fiction's a very interesting person who uh, to you know just in general, obviously, but he, he's got a lot to like from his results and, and a lot to break down, right? So when we when we're talking about his you know genesis to pound stretch, we're talking about a period of time where this guy just picks up like four wins that look great now, right? So like obviously he this is not the same Mango that we've known from the past, but getting a win on Mango is still very good. But in addition to that, he's got to win on none. He's got to win on. Uh, he's got he's got to win on ginger. on ginger as well, and and he's got to win on Josh Man, right? So like oh, these are wins on Josh yeah, Man. yeah. Well, yes, including including local events. Yes, he has quite a, quite a few wins on Josh. But yeah, you know this this is something that we're seeing consistently go toe to toe with, if if not like just outright on top with top fifteen, top twenty players. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'm very excited to see what... I think he is just in that range. I think he's 15 to 20, maybe higher himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. exactly. If, if those top results... Skill, are, yeah, top 10 skill, according to, according to his Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's a great pick uh, for, for someone to look out for at this tournament. I think that's very good. Um, someone I actually uh, want to highlight is like, you know, we, we didn't get to go over all the, uh, performances that happened at Gommel, but I'm very interested to see how, uh, how Professor Pro and Frenzy in particular, uh, you know, do at this event. Frenzy, you know, this is someone we, we saw get top 16 at, at Gommel as well. We saw Professor Pro finish just outside of top 60, thanks to, uh, our friend over here <laughs> in, in the show. Um, no, why, why don't you quickly walk us through that set, by the way? I, I know that, uh. You, you told me it was a pretty good one before the show. So. It was a good one, yeah, at least for me. Um, the first two games were really close, like last hit, and he got me both the games. And I knew, I knew, I was like, this is not over. Like, I'm not getting 3 out here. Um, especially since, like, I thought it was weird how so many people were just counting me out, like, as an auto loss. Like, I was just reading in the melee stats, like, so many people were like, oh, yeah, you'll play this player, like, in losers after I lose to him. And I'm like... I can definitely beat this guy. Like, I, I don't have that much to go off of, but he can't be that much, like, crazier than, like, some of the other foxes I've beaten, like, Zamu or, you know, like, foxes on that level. And I'm like, I, I think I can do this. Uh, people are counting me out way too much here. 
And uh, I tend to tend to do better when people don't expect it or start to count me out in some regards. So uh, after going down two to really close games, I was like, no, I can still do this. I know I can still do this. And uh, I just, I did it, just figured it out, kind of uh, adapted and uh, all the games got progressively better for me by the end of the set. So I was really proud of that set. Um, it was really fun to get to play Europeans too. I really enjoyed when I got to play Triff, for example, at Smash World Tour. When I saw that, I was like, yes, let's go. Like, I really... What a bizarre sentence. I just want to say that. I really enjoyed when, when I saw that I had to play Triff. This is not something that I, I think... I think if you said that to, you know, any player outside the top 10 or, like, top 15 in, in Europe, I think their heads might explode. It's just not something... <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know why you wouldn't want to. You Like, I, I want to play the people that I'm not going to get a chance to play for you know, potentially right, yeah, ever, yeah. potentially ever. So getting a chance to play, you know, I watch the Europeans sometimes too. And I'm like, I don't know sure. where they are. I don't know where I stand in that, in that range. I think I could beat like, you know, like Professor Pro, Frenzy, Solo Battle. Like I think I could beat that range of players and like prove that I, I definitely can. So it's always a fun time to uh, see that I get to play someone who I normally would never even get to play. Like I think online really changed that too, where it's like, normally it's like everyone's someone that I don't get to play, but now it's like, okay, there's the Europeans and foreign players that I really don't ever get to play. So it's a more special experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm so, I'm, I'm glad you had a great set with prof. I thought, I thought that was a great win for you, especially because he's someone that with a great history of defeating a lot of top level Sheik players. So that was a great. Yeah. Win. Even going into it, I was like trying to look for, for Sheik sets and I'm like, he hasn't actually played any Sheiks outside of Europe, to, from what I can see, other than Plup, like, seven years ago. So, like, there wasn't really much for to go off of, and I think that that helped. In recent like, memory, yeah. Yeah, it was all, like, European sets with, like, Max or, or like, other Sheiks, um, and then mm -hmm. really, really, really old sets where the game was just completely different. We're in the, we're in the JMook Sheik era now where, like, I actually got him with so much, like, JMook stuff. That he just didn't quite seem ready for um so yeah it was interesting i had a lot of fun that set yeah and i i think we're we're gonna learn a little bit more about prof this weekend as well i think and frenzy yep i think yeah. that those two have more to show max is showing, yeah. showing up as well so. yeah it, it, it's just fun seeing more more of the uk i actually uh oh oh kingu a uk deep dive at some point i had it I have the outline of it prepared. Oh, all I'm a big fan of the Europe or like all the foreign players that just don't get chances. It's always fun to see. I always root for them because, uh, yeah. Did you money match Kingu? <laughs> no, I did not. I, I don't think he knew that. Like, I don't think he realized what he was saying when he was like, oh, if I beat Jamron, we'll play. Like, for sure. <laughs> and I was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you sure about that? Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. I love Jimmy. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because there's so so many levels of big dogging that go on there, right? So it's like you're not just big dogging him by proving him wrong. You're big dogging him by beating the guy that he thinks will beat you because yeah. he can't he can't consistently it's like the gym leader in his region, right? So it's so many multi, like multiple layers of getting owned here that you know. I just, I just love it. That's why that set made me happy for sure. <laughs> I, I love Kangoo for, 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 for oh yeah, he seems nice. 
Yeah, he's he's a very I wouldn't say he seems nice. No, he's definitely not a nice individual. But but it, but he he's very funny and he's a and he's he's a pleasure to talk to. Good good guy. Um no, he's not a good guy. I shouldn't say that. I, should, I shouldn't go. <laughs> I don't know much about him, so <laughs> I shouldn't go. He's really young, isn't he? Yeah, I know. He's, yeah. Really, he's he's a very fun. Yeah, I, see, I think. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think we got a we got a good amount of stakes going on at Double Down. Um, one thing that I will say, um, after the pound episode, I got to hear you know the, about what the, the pound experience was like for wheat. I I do think that VGBC, you know, just you know to. Be fully honest. I think the the first entry back with like a big major event was a little rough. I it think was a little now, rough, yeah. Yeah, people very, were really disappointed. I think it shows in the entry numbers too. I was very when I saw it was like three hundred eighty. I was like, wow, that's really low for like how top heavy this was. Yeah, um, that that the event was a little little rough for them in terms of you know like the venue, you know the stream showing up on time, and you know like the I think the community was pretty. Um, the community was pretty, you know, blunt with with how it responded to the event. But I'm excited to see, you know, the, the team come together at, at Double Down again. To give like, it another go. Yeah, to, to give it another go to full, you know, like with their, with their full heart and effort. It's going to be in Vegas, so I think it'll be a lot. I think the, the location will probably be a bit better for, um, you know, yeah. into Laurel. I had a great time at Smash World Tour qualifier and the, the, the finals, so... It, it seems like it's just hit or miss with VGBC events. I mean, they've been around for for so long, right? So, and yeah. like they they're ultimately hosting a big event with stakes as part of a circuit that that uh you know that they're part of with stakes. So I you know I'm really excited to go go to the event. I'm excited to see UT there, obviously. Yeah. Excited to see how the, the top level shake shakes up. You know, speaking of which, um, how how exactly do we think this tournament's gonna gonna turn out? You know, I, I know that you know Plup and Wizard aren't gonna be there, but you know, with all these names still in attendance, um, you know, it it does still seem like Zane should win this event. But uh, yeah, it seems like unless Mango has a surprise return to form, it's gonna be a Zane win. That's that's my prediction. Is unless Mango has a miraculous Mango esque event, like probably just going to be a zane one i think the more interesting storylines is like how the rest of the field performs regarding the uh the summer the summer ranking because there's a lot going maybe there's not a lot going on for the number one spot but that doesn't mean that there's not so much going on for every you know for every other spot yeah i mean even just looking through these names right so i, I mentioned some of the players that we'd associate or that we'd see as clean top 25 players right sf you bring up you bring up fiction, you know, it, you know, I, I would bring up someone like Moki as well, Sfat, Slug, Magi, Ben, obviously, but even you, you got your people like Salt showing up, you have someone like, Scott yeah, yeah, I thought there were a couple of people, Salt being one of them that were like seated lower than my perceived, like view of their skill. And uh, I think that is extremely scary for certain players. Like I think Salt's path is, uh, what was it? It was like Kadoran, Kadoran yeah. into Slug. Yeah, and we saw how bad he beat him at Genesis Slug. You know, so Kadoran a little tough, but like I still think it's a Falcon Marth set, and Salt Salt yeah. very close. Salt right? is Salt almost beat Zane, and I would say there's a pretty big difference between Kadoran and Zane in terms of the Falcon matchup. So like, yeah, I think if Salt is able to push through Kadoran, there's a really big chance that Salt probably makes top eight actually. 
You know, it's so interesting with salt because every single, you know, I, I I love talking about this concept, right? I love talking about this concept of smash prospects, right? Like like a player that you know, even if they're not at the top level, like when when you everyone you talk to who's played them talks like glowingly about them, right? So this is some this is something that I've seen happen to Zane. You know, when Zane was on the come up in MDBA, every single person who talked about playing friendlies with Zane was like, oh, this guy's going to be a top ten player someday. He's going to be so good. People just said the same thing about IBDW in New York when he was on his comeback. IBDW even like, like you know, I remember because I, I was in, um, you know, I, I was a com- competitor around that time. And this is like 2015 or 2016 or so. And IBW already had like a coach, right? So like, this is someone that was insanely dedicated to the game and very serious <laughs> about it even from when he, before he was even a top 100 player, right? And I feel like with, with um, I mean, just to get one more example out of the way, I think Wizrobe is an example of someone who immediately people were like, this guy is going to be a future top player. Every single top player that I've talked to about Salt has just like, you know, it's almost as if they've suddenly decided like, oh yeah, like by 2023, uh, Salt is going to be a top 10 player. Like, it's going to happen. It's like they've all, you know, this this is a this is a reality that they've just all agreed that will happen or they've just like agreed as it never Yeah, and now it's just like what unfortunate player has him in their path so I was very relieved to see because I it was originally projected that me and him would play for like 33rd and I was like my heart just sank I was like <laughs> I was like no That's way brutal. we're playing that that is brutal oh, brutal yeah so brutal. I was really relieved to see that that changed um but yeah no I fully agree any player it's got to be got to be scared to play him for sure I think it, looking at the seating the people in my opinion that stand out who might make surprising runs is like Salt, which we already covered. SFAT is another one who actually has a very favorable bracket. Maybe people are sleeping on a little too hard just because he hasn't been active or performing as well. But clearly, I'm looking at his bracket right now, and there's no reason why he couldn't just get fourth, fifth. Uh, I think it's really possible. Those two, in my opinion, are the top two for like standout picks. SF, uh, is there anyone that you want to highlight as a player to look out for uh, alongside? At least for someone that you maybe wouldn't expect based on the seating to do super well. Hmm. I mean, there is one name coming back for his first big event in like, I don't even know how long. It's been like three, four years, and that's Junebug. Uh, Now a Doc main. Uh, Coming in at like, I think the 61st seed. Uh, and this is a person who I think was at one point a top 20, top 30 player who would be able to take consistent sets off Zane uh, in 2019. And maybe for, I think for stretches, certainly he looked, I don't know if he ever got like top 30 outright in a summer rank, but I, I know that he had stretches where he outright looked like that. Very oh, actually a third awesome. player that I thought of that definitely to look out for a slug. We haven't seen slug since Genesis. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Slug, slug was only stopped by um, Peach. The Peach matchup. Yeah, uh, Salt and Peach. Um, and looking yep. at his bracket, it's all Mars Spacey's people That's he's like beaten slug, before. Slug zone. He, yeah. he loves that. Yeah. When Slug doesn't have to play Fox, like he doesn't play his Fox, he's very so he's, he's a very daunting player. Yeah, his, uh, yeah, his, his path is KJH who is doing Falco for oh ICs. Yeah, so yeah. that's rough for Quindy. Uh, and... Uh, Kadoran, who they haven't played that much, but like he did win the last set online. 
I think even Kadorn like he doesn't practice against Dicey's anymore because there's none of them. And he was like, Yeah, if I play Slug in bracket, I'm just gonna accept Yeah, it. and Slug is the reason I drop Marth in that matchup, so he's <laughs> he's too good at it. It, it like if you talk to Logan too, like he makes Logan like yeah. say that, that Dicey's win that matchup. It's it's insane. So that's a really scary opponent for Kadoran. And then he would have Cody, who, you know, he's beaten in the past spaces. That's what he wants. So definitely another player to look out for. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, uh, you know, just, just talking about the the mid-level of people at this event, like just outside the top, I'm very interested to see how Albert does. This is someone that, like, I, I think every time we've seen him in the last, like, you know, two years or so, he typically like does pretty well and then like disappears for a while and then like comes back and it's like, Oh, it's Albert. Yeah. This guy's pretty good. And then he just like disappears from the public, uh, like consciousness. again. I am excited to, if, if I get to play him, that that's predicted. And he said, he's a player who I've done well versus in the past. Mm-hmm. I've won my last two or three sets versus and, uh, is one of my first chances to like really like a goal of mine is to like move up in the chic ranking at least, or like the best sheiks. Mm-hmm. In, in, in my eyes is a chance to like cement myself as like a contender for like one of the better the better sheiks um or at least the cement in the tier of like face roll crudo like spark like that tier um that's going to be a make or break set for me personally and you're right he comes out of nowhere so it, it's definitely a set to look out for um my bracket is extremely dependent on him and how that set goes so it's definitely interesting. SF. I have two more people I want to say, just real quickly. Number one, Prince Abu. I and saw Prince he was Abu. going, and I didn't even... I was like, wow, he's going. Dude, he's yeah. good. Don't sleep on him. He's yeah, really good. It was like, he was so far down in the seating that I almost didn't notice. And then once I did, I was like, oh, shit. Prince Abu. He has Aura into Moki. <laughs> and uh, two matchups, I think. Aura Aura. Even, but I think he can definitely be Aura. And I don't know, man. Monkey before a top eight set is very yeah. scary to me. <laughs> it's Monkey yeah. versus Puff. Like, it, it, to be fair, this is really a rough set. Prince Abu was at Hold That L. And you, so you did get to see, this isn't like his first event. This is like his second third now. Um, yeah. Hold That L, he lost to JFlex reverse 3 0, actually. And yeah. then uh, 3 1 to Zamu. So. If that's any indication of how he'll do, but he looked great in um, some other matchups. So, uh, yeah, that's another interesting person who I think a lot of people don't even know is going. Yeah, and finally, you cannot go without saying Chape from Chile. Chile's number one player, who he has projected right now to play Fizzwiggle. This is like the start of his uh, traveling journey for yeah. sure. Yeah, and it's it, it, our our me and his past will be very intertwined in this coming like month. Um, yeah, he's coming he's to Minnesota. Minnesota. He's attending a lot of the Midwest regionals that I will be at, our locals, etc. So you definitely can look forward to me and him, are those paths being very intertwined, which will be interesting. Just so you know, if you look at him, I won't talk to you anymore. <laughs> Dang, that is, uh, that is harsh. <laughs> I definitely, he was another player who was like, talking like i was like just would for sure lose to him so uh i definitely want to play him <laughs> well, he's the great well the good news is he's the greatest player on planet earth and i stand behind whatever assessment he has he's he's the he's the best he's perfect i love chopping he will be physical 
He will be hungry box. He will win the event. Easy. Okay, like Smash Realtor wasn't a big enough like indicator of where he stands. So he needs more data. And it's yeah. it's interesting that uh, that I will finally get that. So I think I think for him especially, like um I mean, just thinking of it from his perspective, not just, you know, as, as someone who personally talks to him. I think for him, like it's this is an era where we're seeing people come from isolated regions, right? We're seeing them come here, get you know, get their licks, you know, like get big wins, but sometimes get setbacks also because of, just because they're going to a completely different Yeah. For me, he got yeah. the big Spark win, but Spark looked like he was very, in a sense, jet lagged with Melee coming back mm-hmm. from Pakistan, being his first like major back, losing every set he played in the, in the pools. So I don't know. Both players, honestly, that set doesn't really give indication for either player. So... Definitely looking forward to seeing how Chape does for sure. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think if I can uh, just gas my boy up a little bit, one thing I will say, just like you know, I'm all jokes aside, I think for him to see someone like Josh Man come to the country twice and to like succeed in such incrementally impressive fashion, even with whatever setbacks that he had, I think that was a really big, uh, you know, I, I think. I, I think where Chape is within the field right now, it could be like it, it'll be like uh, Josh's first trip to America. That's that's how I think he wants it to be, right? Like I think he's seen what Josh's second trip to America, at, at least since the pandemic, I, it would probably be like his third trip to America in, in total, or third, or, fourth, yeah. third or, fourth, or whatever. But like I think for him, like this is his opportunity to get to play people like Ben and to get to play. Get to play you know, people outside of his his region, so yep. I'm really excited to see how he does. I'm I'm proud of sponsoring him, and I'm just like super thrilled to see him this weekend and everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy for him too. It'll be a good chance. I think this weekend will be great. You know, um, we do have some questions that I want to get to though, and unfortunately, a lot of them were terrible. Usually, I, I try not to, you know, like in in recent times, our patrons have come up with good questions. It's been very tough to make fun of them or to tell them what how awful they were at you know using using the time that they had to write out terrible questions but i have to say like this week ben you know whatever it was it just drew out the total dog shit from from our patrons uh, just, unfortunate. Like, total trash quality questions but you know among the among the massive trash heap of just complete utter filth i was able to drag out two good questions I hate this bit. <laughs> Not a bit. I'm I'm serious. It is. Oh God. Never mind. Ask the question. Ask your question. Everyone. The first one is from SSB Seal, the legend. Someone known for uh, being allergic to bad questions himself. Um, so, Seal is asking to Ben, do you have any pre-pandemic local or regional stories that you'd like to share? I think a lot of people know you, like because of you, you know your rise to prominence during during the pandemic and they, they they're more familiar with you now so i'd be interested yeah. in your answers for, for uh seal probably knows of these but honestly there was there's not actually a lot of data to go off of before the pandemic as far as regionals and majors but there are a few funny stories um my second major was smash and splash four where i had to play absent page my the number one in my region Got put in the same pool with him. Don't know why. I think it was they just didn't seat me properly or something. It was probably down like oh and 20, 30 at that point. Like never even like take games off of him. 
and I miraculously threw him off the stage uh, last talk in both of the games and 2 0 him to get a chance at Winter's Top 64 at like one of my first majors. And uh, it was just funny that the, that that happened. And then I threw tremendously hard to uh, Cobb, the Peach player, um, and then had to get double jeopardied by Absent Page. Just got brutalized in the loser set. I did. That, I was, did. that was one of my major experiences was getting to play Absent Page twice. It was a really, <laughs> awesome, really awesome major. That's just what you want when you live in the Midwest and can't travel is to go to a tournament and play the person near local. It well, was I fun though. Very funny is that like this is your this is basically like your demon at the level. <laughs> this is your yeah, local this, demon this that you. This is like not just my demon. This is like yeah, the whole state it was a big demon at the time. Like for for anyone in the Midwest, so it, it was definitely funny. Um, I think my literally the only majors I went to before the pandemic was Smash and Splash three, Smash and Splash four, and five because they were right in my backyard. And uh, Invincible, the Wisconsin Regional. Nah, honestly, like nothing eventful happened in singles there, but uh, the Minnesota versus Wisconsin crew battles were always really, really fun with uh, funny endings and stuff. I remember uh, clutching for Minnesota with Lord English missing a rest on the last stock. The night crew battle is insane. Yeah, definitely one of my favorite like regional memories too. Um, but no, yeah, I, the pandemic changed my life was was slippy more slippy more changed everything it was a perfect mix of uh circumstance and and opportunity that spawned my ability to like actually play the game like as much as i wanted to and um it's just weird there there really wasn't much data before that so yeah i don't even have too much to, to say those are probably my two favorite like most notable memories pre-pandemic cool so I guess for our second and final question, uh, this one is from Zidrio. Um, Zidrio is asking to you, Ben, if you could take any trait from a top player game-wise, or even outside of the game, who would it be and what trait would you take? I think it would have to come down to either Jmook or Zane, certain traits that they have. I think Zane has a mental trait or like his mental proficiency when it comes to competing and improving and playing the game is unmatched with any player. He's just like, has such a, a good head on his shoulders. He's so calm. He just like really understands like how to maximize his like grinding and um, improve the most with his time. Whereas Jmook has the other trait works, which is more gameplay wise, where I think he literally is the best player at just looking at the screen and like making proper decisions. Whereas like, I get attributed a lot with like being fast and like having really burst movement, like just like uh, sporadic, like throwing out moves and like just being really quick and, and like sometimes hard to hard to catch. But like, I really, really want to be a player that more so like Mook is just like making correct decisions, making it really hard uh, to open you up and just like being that top player. That 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 is my goal going forward is to kind of erase all of the pointless, like mindless stuff that I currently do and like fill it in with like actual intellectual decisions and like 
because I think that's part of what makes Jamie so fun to watch is that everything he does is just so purposeful and it looks so like amazing on the screen with Sheik. It just looks so fluid. Um, so those are the I think those would be the top two most useful traits to pick up from any from any player. And I think I would have to go with J Mooks. I think he just has such a a knack for the game. He's just a natural on the same level that like Mango, your plop, your left end, like that just like don't need to put in the same amount of hours because they just like understand so well what's happening on the screen and just make such good decisions. Yeah, it totally makes sense. You know, th- those two were the only questions that were, I uh, wanted to ask you on the show. No, that's but, okay. They were fun. Yeah, but you know, like typically when we uh, when, when we're a little short on good questions, there's a third one that we resort to that I think, uh, you know, I I think uh, as we would put it, it tells it tells a lot about someone, right? And I guess that the third question is, uh, what's your favorite pizza topping? <laughs> uh. Hanging out with uh, Dark Gen X and his crew and New Jersey people all of Gommel weekend, they all go to just like crazy exotic places with just like tons of food. And I'm just like so used to just eating the most like basic like American food. I'm just like, like it's hard for me to get out of my comfort zone. So I'm like literally just like sausage. <laughs> um, but I had such a good time uh, with uh the Gommel crew and the people I hung out with this weekend really got me to like try new things. And uh, some of it was good. Some of it wasn't as good, but um, favorite pizza toppings, like probably just sausage or cheese. SF, what do you think of sausage and cheese? I love cheese. Can't go wrong. Uh, yeah. Right. It's just, you know, well, you, you, you get, and you know, you're going to enjoy it. Like yeah, you might not be trying something new, but you're like, wow, I'm hungry and I'm going to enjoy this. That's, that's my mindset. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. I could not agree. I go with Old Reliable every single time. Every time? Wow. Every too. time. I, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that, that, that finds one thing that they like at a restaurant, never breaks from that ever. Yeah. No, yeah. Agreed. Agreed, actually. I think yeah. cheese is, it's just like, I, I think like it's, there's a tendency to sometimes overthink this, right? Like sometimes you, you try putting on a bunch of toppings or you try a new flavor that looks good at a restaurant, but then you have it. Or you're not, when you're eating pizza, it almost feels like you're not eating a pizza as much as you're eating just a bunch of vegetables with the pizza. Yeah, it's like, well, I just paid $25 for this thing that I like, kind of don't really like. And now I'm just sad. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas now when it's like, oh, I could get a sausage pizza and like, it'll be a good pizza. Sausage. Nice. Yeah, I usually, uh, I think for me, I I switch between all reliable and just having a you know, mushroom. A balance is better for sure. You got to try new yeah. stuff sometimes. Yeah. Mushrooms, green. Yeah, you, don't. <laughs> you, don't. you don't have to, but you probably should. We got a cheese truth here. <laughs> okay. So Ben, we're heading out to the, um, to around the end of the show. And uh, this, this is typically the part as you're familiar with, um, in which we kind of like to remind the viewers that we're human beings outside melee, that we have other interests, other activities that we do. So we just kind of talk about like what we've been up to outside the game, right? This segment doesn't officially have a name, but to a lot of loyal fans, uh, it's known as Unplugged, um, <laughs> where, where we talk about where we talk about uh, like all the things that we're up to in our life, you know 
outside the house, outside our computer screen, outside, uh, you know, TV. No, that's not really true. I talk about TV and movies all, <laughs> all the time here. But, uh, you get the point. So I, I guess um, I'll, I'll start off. Uh, um, so like on Monday, I was at an, an Independence Day, you know, celebration outside cookout with the rest of my family. Um, we, we stayed at my parents for a little bit and I brought my spouse and my dog with me. My parents have a, have a big yard and I got to say like there's something when uh, we've been raising our dog in the city in, in Boston for a bit. We're actually moving out of Boston in a couple weeks, but you know, it, it's, you, we don't get to often see, you know, a certain side of my dog, Arnold. Right. So it's like, we, when we see him, we, he's usually inside kind of relaxing, lying down. He's not, he's not super duper energetic, but, uh, you know, when he is, it's usually in bursts when we take him outside, he's very focused on the city around him. Right. Like he gets distracted very easily. And, um, I gotta say, there's something about the kind of like pure happiness and joy that you see in a dog when it's like outside in a big yard, like an enclosed, obviously safe, but like enclosed yard where he's just like running around, just so happy, like panting a lot because, you know, obviously there's water nearby and everything, but like he's panting, he's happy, he's like lying on the ground, he's like twirling his little like stomach like flipping lying on his back like biting at the grass but like he's super happy just like a pure level of joy from from my dog that i that i really get to see he's he's happy a lot of other times then like he you know there's things in the day that he loves but like never you know it, it just hits very different when you see pure joy in another like living being like that and it was just very uh I thought about it a lot after yesterday. It was nice seeing my family as well, but like the, the image that's always gonna you know stick with me is just like my dog running about, just like pant like the it's it's almost like uh, going outside in the you know July Fourth heat or whatever. It just like unlocked and it, it's like I saw a new side of him and like I pressed a button. And it's like instinctual response to being outside and it's just I saw yeah. a whole new. Uh, whole new um you know version of my dog and it, it's one uh it just like it made me so happy seeing it and it's the kind of thing i wanted to to share with the audience so no that's, that's great new just the little moments to uh it's so important to just like separate you know just like appreciate the the moments with like people in your life and uh you know the dogs dog. are great yeah sorry not to love dogs <laughs> sf what have you been up to uh, on, I think it was Friday, I finished um, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4, uh, Diamond is Unbreakable, um, a show that I, I am simply watching in order to engage with uh, other people at Verdugo who have watched it, like uh, Fiction and Pipe and many SoCal people. Um, and it's so, it, it's so good. It's such a good series. I love it so much. Um, nice. I'm currently uh, on Attack on Titan, so I feel that. Yeah, it's just like, oh, I love the art, and I love everything's happening, and it makes me feel so good inside. It's just all like, hmm. It's just a, like a, a so fun to watch, and like so many just little like, not twists per se, but just like, oh my god moments of just like, that is so smart, or oh, that's so awful, or just, oh, it's it's such a blast to watch, and it really, uh, it's just very fun. I had a very fun time. I definitely just 
I definitely, I think, binged through, like, the last third of the season, like, in about a day or two, just because just, oh, I couldn't get over it. And I love talking to people over Dugo about it. It's like, oh, it was so great. I can't wait to watch more. Now I'm already on part five and loving it. So very glad on, on keeping to watch that. And then I'll start One Piece eventually when I finish with JoJo's. Isn't that, like, crazy long? Uh, yeah, it's like a thousand yeah. episodes and like manga and and yeah, but I have to be able to engage with my fellow SoCal people in order to really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> nice to just like be able to like be in the loop of like what your friends are talking <laughs> about. This stuff. Is crazy SF. I'm asking you what you're doing outside of mailing. Watching an anime. Is yeah, I'm doing like touching grass wise, like. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about with that touching grass nonsense. I've never heard that <laughs> term before. Yeah, I, I, I'm just very surprised, you know, it, it's, um, there's not that I'm surprised. It's just very funny that your example of something you've been doing outside of Melee is the purpose of interacting with other Melee people. I mean, not, I, it's really enjoyable to watch. It's just very okay. funny to also, you know, then talk to my friends who have played Melee as well and be engaging with them about it. There was actually something really funny that happened to uh, Verdugo like two weeks ago where I was talking with uh, Shit Fiction and... Uh, Kevon pipe the to and G Noel Noel walks up to us and um they're like uh, I think Kevon's like oh you know you can't talk to us about One Piece yet because uh, you know you haven't read you know you're and Noel's like no I can't I was like oh you've also not watched One Piece Noel and <laughs> he's like no I'm just like a few chapters behind so I can't really talk with him about it and I was like oh oh my bad I'm just the one who's ignorant about this you you're also about thousands of chapters into it that's my bad yeah yeah so just uh very fun to engage with yeah, yeah. I, i'm also on that uh that vibe where like shows it's just so important to have like something that gets you excited outside of like whatever the one main thing is like for me it's melee i think for a lot of us it's melee um, yeah. but having something else that gets you excited just like socially or like, you know, like different shows, like just like, you know, you just get lost in a different world. It's nice at yeah, night, like kill time and stuff. Um, yeah. I'm living the busy IRL life. Like I just don't have enough time for like everything I would like to do. Like I have a lot of different games I wish I could play, but just don't have like the, the time or like feel the need to play them. Um, full-time job plus uh, full-time student currently in summer courses too so like pretty busy with that but it but it's been good i i managed to get a job in uh it pretty early uh which was huge big score for me and i've been working my way up in that so uh that's been good get some money for uh all the needed the needs and wants <laughs> and uh yeah just working my way through school it's hard it's, it keeps me grounded and away from like the melee drama which is good yeah. Because when yeah. I start to get involved in melee drama, that's when like my mood and everything just like plummets. So everything that keeps me away from that and focused on purely the game and purely competing is that's good. That's always a win. Yeah, it's not great when you uh log on to Twitter and you and you see like I think the one of the low points was taunting discourse and uh if like, Yeah, that's when you know it's just time to close Twitter. Yeah, it's, it's how you know when it's time to close t Twitter and when it's time to go outside. So, Ben, um, I guess we're kind of at the end of the show now. 
but in case the listeners and and the watchers of the show want to know where to follow you, uh, where can they do so? Uh, currently only Twitter. Don't really have any ambition or like plans to ever start up Twitch again. So we'll leave it at Twitter for now. Uh, I think it's linked right under my name. So at Ben underscore SSBM. Um, free agent as well. So definitely looking to get sponsored. That's another big goal. But uh, I'm trying to grow my Twitter for that purpose. Um, yeah. I thought you talked about how you weren't on Twitter anymore. Uh, I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I'm trying to be less active. God. Or like less involved, like I said, less involved with like less widespread, drama. less drama, widespread yeah. discussion, anything. Just like focus on like my goals. Like that kind of stuff just like doesn't matter at the end of the day. It doesn't ever like do any good. So like let everybody else sort that stuff out and I'm just going to like focus on me. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I would be very surprised if I saw Ben in a critical video. I'll say, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see uh, the the moment gamers must see version 2.0 nope. or, or whatever. I don't want to be in anything like that. Yeah, we won't. Yeah, I, I did not get the sense that you'd want to do that. Anyways, if, if you love tonight's episode, uh, you can check out the VOD on our YouTube under the Melee Stats Archive channel. Or, if you get a chance, you can see our long-form videos over on the main channel, Melee Stats. If you want more of us, you can follow Melee Stats over on Twitter at Melee Stats Pod. That's where we do our Last Night in Melee series, which covers daily tournament results from the night before. It's thanks to this guy over here, SF, who, who does it. You can also check out our website, Melee Stats Co., where we publish weekly series like Monday Morning Marth, written by myself, and When's Melee, also written by SF. And finally, and most importantly, if you truly love our work and you want to throw us a few bucks, please, with no hesitation, go over to patreon.com slash meleestats, where your support for us will really make a big difference and help us continue to contribute to the scene in all the ways that we can. I think that was pretty good. That was solid. It was a good close, right? Is it over? Good job. Well, we're still live. Surprise! You didn't mention that when um, you can, someone could also be a patron if they do a bet with you. Yeah, that that too. You you can gamble with me, but I might be, I might be a little lost in the sauce this weekend to to gamble rationally. <laughs> I, I'm really excited for for this upcoming weekend. I think. I think we got a bunch of great melee ahead of us. I'm really excited to see both of you at this event. Yeah, ben, me too. Thanks, thanks for coming on a lot. It was really fun talking to you, kind of picking your brain about the game and about the. Yeah, no, I always wanted to come on. I was just kind of waiting for it. Um, and I was glad to come on at such a such a pivotal moment in uh, the melee scene. Yeah, SF, thanks for coming on. Also, it was it's really great talking about melee with you all the time. It's been my pleasure. I love talking about melee. So. Yeah, and. To the audience, to the viewers, to the listeners, we'll be back next week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Wheat's going to be back. I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about Double Down and what that means. He'll have Gommel, Double Down, everything, the rankings. Like He'll have a lot to say for sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Peace. Peace.